with Tim Sales. Tim lives in Pasadena, California, where he serves on the city's Design Commission and Transportation Advisory Commission. He attended the University of California, Los Angeles, achieving a master's degree in urban planning. As an urban planner and developer, he has directly managed the development of over 250 units of multifamily residential units and currently he leads RC Homes' new product segment efforts in the area of build for rent investment and development. Tim has also been the executive in charge of operations for an affordable home ownership developer, as well as the corporate marketing manager for two national home builders. His experience and expertise includes market and economic feasibility studies for residential, retail, restaurants, entertainment, and cultural venues. Welcome, Tim. I'm excited to talk with you about happiness. Good day, Sandra. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you know, I have so many questions for you. But since this is a podcast about happiness, I'm going to start off with, could you tell me about your happiness journey or what happiness means to you? Thank you for asking. Well, first of all, it makes me happy to be talking to you about happiness about about happiness today because it's a, a very worthwhile subject, and I think people make a lot of assumptions about happiness and really needs to be unpacked. You know, for me, a lot of my life is um, thinking about things very analytically and being you know I spend a lot of time in my in my head, um, and so for me, I've kind of tried to break happiness down to some real basics, you know, so when I'm happy, mm. when I'm trying to be better at my practice of being conscious and aware and in the moment um, and trying mm. to do things that are pushing me to a greater sense of like flow, and we could talk more about that, but, you know, there's a lot of things that do that, but to me, if you think about it, you know, sort of objectively at the big level, that's kind of how I frame it up, and then I try to hang things that make me happy in that in that framework. I just love the way you your imagery, having a large picture and then hanging. As no one has ever said that, but hanging happiness within the large picture. How fantastic! Because right, you're because you're not going to be happy. Well, me, I'm not going to be happy every moment of every day. But I think that if I know the things that and the processes and the 
structure that makes me happier, that's to mm-hmm. me like a like a big achievement. And it's a practice, right? It's not something that I'm not sitting here saying I'm 100% good at it all the time. But if you can kind of return to that, you know, have a way of snapping yourself back into reality and being in, mm-hmm. in the moment and really being appreciative for what you have in this moment and and focusing on on that moment, I think it's a lot easier to find happiness, for me at least. Right. Appreciative or grateful, that's a big word these days in the happiness movement. And just learning how to be grateful for what you have, because so many people are so externally connected, meaning they are looking like having a carrot in front of their nose, trying to get this, trying to get that, and then they forget what they actually have. Right. Absolutely. Yes. I think, yeah, oh, totally and completely. And I think that, you know, if you start to build it up from, you know, some, some building blocks, it's, it's, it's a little easier. Like, for example, I mean, to, uh, I think a more direct answer to, you know, kind of happiness, what makes you happy is, for me personally, you know, things that um, connect with my values, right? Things that I think are important, mm. you know, like I'm a big person like that's why I say quite honestly it's great to talk to you because I one of my really my highest value is learning and sharing I just love to learn things and I love to share them back out because when I share them back out they help me Mm -hmm. it helps me to understand even better right I mean it's there's nothing worse than an expert who doesn't want to like learn more you want to learn something (laughs) and then share it and see and then see you know Am I, what do I, what am I missing? You know, how does that relate? So for me, it's like learning and sharing is a, is a big thing that makes me happy. Um, Also, I'm a creative person. Um, You know, I know that you've had a lot of creative people on your podcast and, you know, I'm uh, uh, a amateur musician and play, you know, music every day. What? Yeah. What? What? What What do you play? I play the piano. So I have my piano. I, I, yeah. So. Yes. Right. So there's, that's a, that's like for me, a lifeline to happiness. Like if I'm really feeling poorly, I can go right Mm -hmm. there and like, I can, it'll all just sort of like, you know, some days it's not that great because sometimes you're like going, oh gosh. But if you really focus, you know, if you really think about it, it's like another part of your brain. And so I think that, you know, these, these Mm -hmm. things, those are tangible things that make me happy, right? Like if I have something hard to do, but I have to learn mm-hmm. something about and figure out and then do, that's a really mm-hmm. good day for me. And, you know, most of the time we don't always get to be in that space because we have all these other things we have to do. <laughs> but, you know, for right. me, that's a happiness place. Right. But, you know, those are things that I can rely upon in myself to to try to well, not, know, make my brain happier. Yeah. I have a question. What sure. kind of music do you play? Well, so I play all kinds of music. I mean, I'm I'm a, I actually studied composition and theory uh, as my undergraduate degree, and so I'm mm-hmm. sort of a doodler. I play all kinds of music. I was raised playing popular music, and you know, the reason mm-hmm. I started playing the piano was because I liked Elton John, right? So that tells you a story right there. Mm-hmm. So I, I started That's piano right. playing because it's like, hey, so I can play like Elton John really well. But uh, you know, I think <laughs> that. Um, it, but I also love, like, uh, all kinds of art music, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the so-called classical music or jazz. I mean, it's all, it all appeals to me because, you know, I think for me, someone who's – and you can tell from my composition and theory focus, I'm analytical. Mm-hmm. I like to understand how does this work, 
right? Why is this mm-hmm. working? How does mm-hmm. it? So that I really get excited about. So, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, I do it for myself. I'm not like going out and doing amateur gigs and stuff, but it's a release for me to be, you know, creative and have that moment where when I'm doing it, I'm not usually thinking about anything else. Right. Totally understand because I'm in that world myself. But right, so yeah. let me just ask you, yeah, so I want to just, before I get into other things that I have in my mind sure. to ask you about, yeah. I wanted to talk about this whole idea of uh, urban planning and developing because yeah. I think it's so, so vitally important in the world today. I mean, don't we have like a huge homeless population. I know I'm living here in Santa Fe, and we have a huge homeless population, San Francisco, all these other people, uh, places. And I'm just, even down in, I don't know, you're in Pasadena. Do you have the same situation? Sure, everywhere. Okay, so I'm just wondering if there's a tie-in, and maybe there isn't, but in developing, you said, build for rent investments and developing uh, units of multifamily, et cetera. I know they're not being developed for the homeless necessarily, but we do realize how important having a good home is. And why are you, why are you involved in that? I mean, does that really yeah. turn you on? Do you love it? Okay. Yeah. Let me hear about it, that. that. That's a great question, right? I think that I can take my love for urban planning back to being a little kid and thinking, gosh, you know, what's going on? I and mean, this is like, there's, there's, we live in these cities, and if you open your eyes, and when you're a little kid, I think your eyes are more open because you only have questions. You don't have other things polluting your brain, like, you know, responsibilities or fears, and hopefully not fears. So I can remember being a little kid thinking, how does this all work, and, and, and being very interested mm-hmm. in, in that. And I, I studied that because, I felt that um, it was something you could do to make a physical difference in the world, right? The, the, the real estate development is, a, is, is in the built environment. That's a term of art that urban planners use. It's the built environment, right? So you're doing something, mm-hmm. and I always say to people, good, bad, or indifferent. If you get a project done, you can really take you know, pride in the fact that we got it done because that's no small thing. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times right. – People are constantly criticizing themselves, myself included, to say, oh, it could be this, it could be that, it could be better, it could be bigger, it could be purple, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you, you have to, like, say we did it, right? And, and to say we did it is to speak to the fact that no one does this alone, and it's a human endeavor. And, uh, you know, I always say everything would be easy if it wasn't for humans, right? But you have to, like, work with people, and you have to, like, be always engaged in like trying to move things forward and understand people and, you know, be of service to the, to the pursuit. And it's a challenge, right? So I opened up saying like, I know that I'm an analytical person. My brain is always firing, which Mm -hmm. actually Mm -hmm. is a challenge for happiness. Right. But if you can, if you can, the less you think about things, the more happy I think you might be is my, my hypothesis. Join Sandra M. at her live performance of the Celebrate Happiness Roadshow, a toast to love and happiness in life. It's an uninhibited musical adventure, Sunday, February 4, 3 p.m. at the Santa Fe Women's Club. Our next adventure is guaranteed to awaken your happiness vibe. 
celebrate with upbeat rhythms, love songs, special guests, and fun stories, some told by you in the audience. Enjoy Todd Lowry, Sandra's musical guest and accompanist, singing his happy and hopeful originals. To celebrate happiness with Sandra M. and the Celebrate Happiness Roadshow, email Sandra at SandraMcKnight.com. Stay tuned for ticket information and save that date, Sunday, February 4, 3 p.m., to celebrate happiness with Sandra M. I do enjoy the pursuit of it. I enjoy the people and the process, even though the process can be frustrating. And I most of all just really enjoy the fact that we get it done. Now, the issue of homelessness, the issue of all these things is, not, is beyond the built environment, right? It's a policy thing. It's an economic thing. It's so complicated. It's a whole other podcast. But I think that, you know, the simplistic way of looking at it is, you know, we have a housing shortage. We have a shortage of care for people because really homelessness solutions are not, they are about housing, but they're about a lot of Mm -hmm. other things too, a lot of social services Mm -hmm. and, you know, about really making space for people, right. And, and, and meeting them where they're at and trying to help them. And that's a very challenging endeavor. But I think I say pride in that. I'm generally speaking, I'll say this last thing about it the more that we can build housing, the better off that we will be no matter what kind of housing is because in California, and I think Santa Fe is the same way, there's been a tendency to, like, not want to have development. And in California, at least, we've had 30 years, 40 years, almost 50 years of, like, mm-hmm. really underdeveloping housing. And it makes things too expensive, and it just provides a lot of, of, of externalities right. that make people, make people really crazy. It's, it's hard. I would hate – I fortunately own a house. I, I'd hate to be somebody trying to buy a house. I mean, it's very frustrating and challenging and – Oh, boy. But, you know, that's the reason why I, I, I pursued that. And I think it does kind of relate back to my pursuit of urban planning and development. It, it relates back to my side of creativity and analytical and people and trying to move the needle in some way. Make a better place for everybody. I agree yeah, with you. And so. when, so now I have one other big thing I know because we've talked previously, just a little bit of an introduction yeah. before we got – into the podcast, and I know that recently you have gone to Bhutan, and I, of course, take people to Bhutan. You know, this is part of my Celebrate Happiness Roadshow. I do the podcast. I do a live show, and then once a year, I have a travel company, a local travel company in Bhutan, and I take people to Bhutan, and I would love you were there for what? Did you say seven, ten days no, or something like, like that? Nine, nine, I think it was nine days, yeah. And so you had a lot of time to really sort of sink into that. And I would love that experience. And I would love to hear what you felt about Bhutan and why did you go there? And I yeah. know this is a place where they calculate the gross national happiness of their people. It's the only place in the world that they do that. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be t- tell you about it. I think that, um, you know, I, I, I think I shared with you previously, the reason I went there is because someone mentioned it to me as the best place they'd ever been. And this was just a casual mm-hmm. conversation at a dinner party. And I thought, my wife and I have traveled a lot of places. I mean, we're, we love to travel. We've been to 
Egypt, Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, Jordan. We, and I think one of the contexts for me about travel is discovery, right? I want to learn new things. I want to see the world mm -hmm. with new eyes. I want that experience of seeing something for the first time and being and reacting to it, hopefully being moved by it in a positive way, but it's just, you know, like having that stimulus of, of something that is a different culture, a, a different society. But the reason I went, quite honestly, was because, you know, uh, I, it was planted in my head, and I thought, I've never heard of Bhutan. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think I'd heard of that yes. gross domestic happiness thing, which I think is a really brilliant frame-up, right? Like, I don't know anything about how they do that, and, but I think it's really important that they've got that conversation at, at the forefront, right? This is what I'm getting at. Like, people don't – people say, oh, I want to be happy. Yeah, okay, well, then we'll do, mm -hmm. do the work. Do, do the work. Like, what does that really mean to you? Because it doesn't mean the same thing to everyone, nor will it ever mean the same thing to everyone. But to have a lens to see the world through happiness is a very relevant thing. But, you know, so when I got there – it is an amazing place because it, it, it's a couple, a couple of things that I will focus on were, one, okay. it's, it's beautiful in a natural setting sort of a way. I mean, and, and, and I've been to a lot of places in Asia, and it's, it's not what I expected. You know, it's a beautiful alpine climate with the Himalayas behind. So it's got a very beautiful, and actually it feels a lot like the high Sierras in California in some ways. It feels like Switzerland. It actually connects with you in a way that you go like, oh, hey, you know, I, I can relate to this place. It's not alien. It's, it's sort of mm -hmm. beautiful and, 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 and tranquil. And then the other part of it is this sort of tranquility and peacefulness, which comes from the natural setting, but it also comes from the people and, and the society and the culture and the religion and the, the look of it. So it, it's, as someone who's in real estate and art design and stuff, it is – phenomenally different Stunning. than any, pl any place you've ever been. I mean, and... Can and I, I interrupt a moment? Yes, yeah, of course. Did sure, you get the tiger's nest? Yeah, yeah I we, have to I ask. Up, I just have to We did, sure. Well, no, we went to tiger's nest, and tiger's nest is usually uh -huh. at the end of the trip because Bhutan is very high in elevation, and they want the foreigners to acclimatize, you know, and, and tiger's nest is like, yes. I don't know, whatever it is, three or 4,000 feet difference in elevation from when you start to where you... I don't know. It's a lot. And so we did that the last day, but that's, that's phenomenal. And, and the, you know, Google, uh, you know, Bhutan Zong or D-Z-H-O-N-G, and you'll see these amazing mm -hmm. structures, which here's one thing. So, so visually, it, it's unlike anything you've ever seen, the, the, the built environment, the way that these villages and cities were done, not, not, not necessarily the new ones, like the, but even in the, mm -hmm. even in the, even in the existing ones, they are kind of unique, but these, these zongs, you know, which were really the city hall and the temple, and they still are. These are mm -hmm. from like, you know, the 16th century, is that Way right? back. and they yeah. and they're yeah. really old. And there's like uh, many, many of these, basically one for each county or city, and they're still in use today. They're still the temple, and they're yes. still the city hall. And see, now that's important to me because the culture there has a long history, and it's still in their spirit. It, it's still in their daily use. If you want a driver's license, you're going to this 500-year-old, whatever it is, you know, uh, uh, what, what looks to be like a fort or a really? temple and building. And it's just, to me, 
uh, amazing because that is something that uh, has resonance, right? And sort of like, uh, mm-hmm. and they, they treat these places with respect, the men and women who normally dress in relatively the, the same color of native clothing they've done for a long time. They have to wear a certain thing or act in a certain way. So, you know, it's a first world country in technology and all these things, but there's still this real connection to old ways. And I think that there's mm. a certain peacefulness that comes with that, like a sense of belonging and mm-hmm. uh, stability uh, that is, mm-hmm. is often, those things are often missing in modern life. You know, we're, it's, you know, really unusual. And we, we fight for those things, stability and belonging. We fight about them and we fight for them, right? It's hard to right. always get those things. Right. And I think that there it's palpable. The last thing I'll say is sort of the way that the religion there is, it's a Buddhist religion and it's, it's a uh, Tibetan influenced mm-hmm. version of Buddhism. And it's fascinating because it's just so multi-layered. But the one thing that I took mm. from it was that, you know, the visions that you have of like the prayer flags on the, on the sides of the hills, Mountain. The visions you have on the mountains, right, they're really way up there, right? Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, mm-hmm. scores and scores of them, and they're flapping in the wind. You know, the the sound of the ringing bell that is turning each, you know, being rung every, every time the, the prayer wheel rings with the water wheel. These are things that are mm-hmm. like visual and auditory reminders of that you're here in this moment. You're nowhere else. You're mm-hmm. right here. And that Mm-hmm. Is something which I think even our guide, who I wasn't prompting for, that's what they were saying too. They're saying it's a reminder, and it's like yes, that's great because you don't need to be, you know, religious and spiritual in an overt way all the time. But these are these are things that denote, connote, remind people of their spiritual and religious and communal background. They're just constantly there. So there's a beauty in that that is just <laughs> amazing. Um, so I think that adds to the peacefulness. So, you know, I felt, I felt peaceful a lot of places when I traveled because I'm being stimulated and learning. But there it was exceptional because I got these things or I parsed out these things or I came to understand these things in the way that I chose to understand them, which was very meaningful to me. We invite you and yours to an intimate 14-day happiness journey to Bhutan, the lost kingdom of happiness, coming in May of 2024. Experience the magnificent beauty, magic, and mystery of this ancient culture that calculates the gross national happiness of its people. Happiness, Bhutan style, is an adventure of a lifetime. Go to BhutanLostKingdomTours.com and click on Special Tour Packages to download your itinerary for Being in Love with Life, a happiness journey to Bhutan with Miss Sandra McKnight. And remember, celebrate happiness with Sandra M. that they equate happiness and peacefulness and just being in the moment and constantly just being in the flow of life would you say that's something that they are doing in their world up there because when I go there I am just I just forget everything all of the uh, hurry bustle 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 that we have in our world the western world and everything just seems to 
come together, as you just said, in a beautiful, peaceful moment. Yes, they have, people do have illnesses, you know, they have poverty there, other things like that, just like we do. (laughs) Yeah, they have smartphones, smartphones, yes. Which are the worst thing for happiness ever. But, yeah, but no, I think you're right. I think, um, I can't say because I'm not them, but I think that that's a, a reasonable hypothesis. And mm-hmm. um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, I think that Bhutan is like at the highest echelons of my experience in sort of a spiritual setting. I haven't been to the bed. Mm-hmm. I haven't, but a lot of, but there is sort of the dividing line between Eastern thought and Eastern religion and Western thought and Western mm-hmm. religion. And of course you find elements of this in other cultures. I mean, I think, this, I think that, you know, Japan has a lot of this, and, and, and they're not there, you know, that comes from their Shinto and animist, you know, which actually the Tibet, the, the Bhutanese were, were animists as well. They believed in, like, the spirits of everything, rocks and rivers they and all this. They still do. And they still do, but it's been filtered through uh, and recast into, you know, into a Buddhist framework. So that's why I say it's complicated, right? Every, mm-hmm. Religion is a tree, right? Everything grows and they and someone has a new limb, a new thought, and they try to make it relevant. And they did that definitely in Bhutan, right? It's a logical thing to do. But um, so there's other places that have it. Uh, but, you know, I think that it, it is uh, uh, that, that sort of what, you're, what you and I are kind of uh, trying our best to explain. I think that is something you find more in Eastern culture and Eastern religion than you do in Western, yes. but, but it's, but it's certainly not always, you not everywhere you go in the East is really palpably different than here. A lot of it, unfortunately has been polluted by a lot of uh, consumer materialist uh, kind of, you know, capitalistic ideas that, you know, are, are fighting. Everyone's fighting mm-hmm. for the same thing and you lose it. I think there's a sense of like belonging in the group. That is something that is, meaningful to the spirit of humans and the happiness of humans that we often lose sight of here in the West. Exactly. I think you're so right about that. And I just love the way you've explained your experience there. It, Thank you. You know, everybody that I, you're welcome. Everybody I know that goes there comes back with an enormous shift in their consciousness. And they go into our world again, our Western world, with a new perception, a new idea about living, etc. And it sounds like the same has happened to you to a certain degree, which is fantastic. And, um, you know, we're coming close to the end of our time together, but I was just wondering a few other things. Sure. And I wanted just to ask. Do you, now we're talking about being in our Western world, right? Basically in America, because that's where we both live, right? Right. But do you think that people are actually born happy? I know some people are born with you know, illnesses and other things like that. I, I do understand that. But the majority of people, do you think they're born happy? And then how do we keep that going? Yeah. Uh, well, absolutely, people are born happy. I mean, there's no doubt about it. People are born without um, the clutter of life that distracts us from happiness. The, the point of life is to find joy and happiness, right? We're, it, it, you know, it's like, although that came to me only recently, and Bhutan was not the, I was open to Bhutan. I've been doing a lot of work on myself in this area. So it, it, I got Bhutan mm-hmm. 
I think, this way. But I think that, you know, so I'm open to it. I, yeah, people are born happy. We don't really have um, the language and, and tool set, toolbox to, I think, educate people about happiness, I think, um, which starts as being a child and what do you, what do you, what's modeled for you as behavior by your parents, what are the things that they mm-hmm. put forth as being mm-hmm. important. And a lot of, I mean, honestly, right, I mean, a lot of life is about trying to achieve stability, get enough that you feel like you're stable and have some sense of control. I mean, there's a lot of challenges in life that are in the material world mm-hmm. that are like money, you know, and, 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 I, and I think that parents try to shield their children from that, but it's in our, it's in our world, right? We see that. And you're always going to see that. You'll see that in Bhutan too, but I think that the, maybe the difference might be in how other frameworks of culturation, you know, are instilled, like, is is what is what is your spiritual education like? You know, what's the focus mm-hmm. on that? And and that might be right. also mm-hmm. deviating from happiness in the moment. We're we're strivers. You know, Americans are the worst. I right. mean, I love America. I love my country. But I'm just saying, culturally, we're always striving for something more, and we have a challenge, right? You know, it's like, well, what about right now? You know, what about me just being happy with being grateful, being appreciative for what I have right now? And making space for people to enjoy it together because we, we struggle with that. So it's it, we definitely yeah. kind of get off the course. And I think um, it, it's something that's really much more though right now, Sandra, in the in the, the zeitgeist or the, the 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 element of like there's a lot of talk about behavioral health and mindfulness, and that's great yes. because yes. you need yes. that. And and those are tool sets. Those are frameworks to get yes. to a better place. And, I, and happiness, you know, maybe people think he's, he's crazy to think that the purpose of life is joy, right? But it is. And I mean, no. you know, however you want to find, I know, but it's an audacious thing to say for some people. And, and to mm. have, the tools, have the tools to achieve it and to also recognize that it's about you. It's not about anybody else. Don't, you know, yes, you need to have certain things to live, but don't be overly reliant on external stimulus. I, I, I am one that fell into this all the time. I thought I needed to be told how great I was or thank you for this or that. It's like, no, feel, feel appreciative that you got an opportunity to, to be engaged in something in this manner and take it at that. And if someone says good job, you say, oh, thank you, but don't expect it. Just be happy from your internal uh, perspective, the, the world as you see it, the facts on the ground, how you see things and react to things and find things that, uh, that are in alignment with how, you know, the values that you have and those things that bring you joy and hopefully right. take you to a place where you're not have a cluttered mind. You have that, those, those, those moments of consciousness and just flow where you're going like, oh, that was amazing. What, what just happened for 30 minutes? Yeah. Exactly, and uh, which is what we just did. We had 30 minutes of wonderful conversation. Thank you. That was very good. Thank you so much. Yes, yes, and it's been a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to having this out. You you know, your friends and everybody will be able to hear this in, oh, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks from now, just after Christmas. Sounds great. Weekly Key to Happiness 14 Ditch Your Phone 
unplug all the electronics for at least one hour per week, or a shorter amount of time three times a week. You might be surprised at the difference it makes, that your mind wander free for a change. Read, meditate, take a walk, and pay attention to the surroundings. Be sociable, or be alone. Just be. Thank you for tuning in to Celebrate Happiness with us. And before we go, I'd like to thank today's guest, Tim Sales, for sharing his happiness story. Share your happiness story on the Celebrate Happiness Roadshow podcast. Send an email to sandra at sandramcknight.com. Find that love is all alone.